Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to your God's Love podcast. I'm Haley Helveston. This podcast is all about holistic health, sacred sexuality, and spirituality. I have Max Hindle here. He's a childhood trauma expert, and he has he helps female entrepreneurs release anxiety, imposter syndrome, and childhood trauma without years of therapy. Hello, welcome. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk. Yes, definitely. I'm so excited to have you. So what you're talking about is important. I've discussed it a little bit on the podcast, but I think a lot of people don't really know why it's so important. So go into that. What childhood trauma specifically or anxiety or imposter syndrome? Or In sort terms of, of childhood trauma, like why are you even focusing on that? Okay. Okay. So things, so, so the reason I put anxiety and imposter syndrome as what I help people release is because not everyone realizes they have childhood trauma. And childhood trauma can genuinely be when you were 12 years old, you went to go and ask someone out on a date, they rejected you, your life was over. And the emotional connection to that time is painful. So what stems from childhood trauma is anxiety, depression, any mental health issue usually stems from childhood trauma. They can stem from like adulthood trauma, I suppose. Um, But when you look back at a lot of people in the past, their childhoods really were quite tough. And I feel like nowadays they're starting to get a lot better because people are aware of things like this. And they're saying, if we treat our kids um, in the right way now, they're not gonna have to undo years and years and years of negative programming in the future. Because I can't remember who said it, but I read a quote and it was, it's much easier to program a child to a level of thinking of confidence, happiness, than it is to unwire an adult and then reprogram them. It's kind of like in order to get the results of adults, you have to go backwards to then go forwards. Whereas with a child, it's just go forward, if that makes sense. Yes, that definitely makes sense. And I was with a group of ladies last night and I was talking about how, I'm sure you've seen that quote where it says, if you don't heal your inner child, your romantic relationships will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, okay, and so... So go, so go into that in terms of people come to you and they say, okay, maybe something happened to me when I was little. Like, what do they say? Well, a lot of the time, that's what I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make it more mainstream. So I'm posting a lot about childhood trauma, like symptoms of childhood trauma. Um, so I'm trying to sort of get people aware that they have childhood trauma. Um, but a lot of the time they'll come to me and it will be things like anxiety. It will be things like imposter syndrome. Um, it will be things of any fears, phobias, things like that. And, and because we normalize it, because we've been through it, we don't see it as trauma. So it's just like, well, yeah, but that was just my life. And, and, and sort of like an example with myself, when I used to go home, I haven't spoken to my dad for about six or seven years. The last time I saw him was when he attacked my mum. And before that, I was so used to going to the, into the house and the house being smashed up. I was so used to it. Like we never had the door handle on the fridge. Um, glasses would sometimes be on the floor. I remember one time I used to race motorbikes and my motorbike fell over and it snapped one of the brake levers. So my dad threw it and then had a go at me for losing it. And I was like, I, was like, I, I didn't do anything. So I was so used to things being broken that it was normal and I normalized it. And, and being a kid, we normalize things much easier. And I was talking to someone the other day talking about how she went through um, the adoption system when she was younger, had very abusive parents, went through an adoption system and she was told, oh, you're a lucky one. You've been chosen. You should be happy. And not that they were doing it to be horrible, but they were just like, well, you're lucky. You've been chosen to have a family. We don't. And she had to normalize. I've just got to be happy. Even though I've been through so much stuff, I've just got to be happy. And just as you said, if we don't clear that, 
then years later, we're going to get in the same relationships um, because we perceive love. And I'm sure you know that being a relationship mm-hmm. coach. We perceive love to be what our parents gave us. If they gave us abandonment issues, we perceive love to be abandonment. So all those little things really tie up in, in, in one thing of childhood trauma and realizing that a lot of the stuff that most people have been through have been through trauma. And the, the statistics is 70% of people have gone through um, or go, are going to have childhood trauma issues in their lifetime. And then tell me again with that lady who was adopted, for her, she, who was saying that about you're one of the lucky ones? I'm not sure exactly who, but I believe, so, so I couldn't give you an exact, um, just from the conversation we had, I'm pretty sure it was the people that, um, like the, the, the carers, because she was in foster care, and then I believe her parents as well, um, her, her current parents, but she said they were lovely people, um, and, and they were trying to do what was best for her but they didn't understand that, oh, just stop being anxious or just stop being depressed doesn't work. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. I agree with you. Yeah, and I think that that's something that I've been learning more and more about is it seems like most people deal with some form of anxiety or depression, even if it's just like even a little bit. And it's Mm. something that should be discussed more when it it, it seems like people are now more and more with the work you're doing too, because it's like everybody's dealing with something. 100%, 100%. 100%, 100%. And like I said, 70% of people go through childhood trauma in their, in their lifetime. And that's, that's a huge statistic. I know that is in the US, but it's going to be pretty much the same worldwide, give or take. There's going to be some countries are going to sort of up that, some countries are going to lower that. So I'd say 70% is on average. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, even things like anxiety, and, and I also figuring out a relationship with anxiety. Because a lot of people that say, I, I have anxiety, they're sort of defining themselves with anxiety. And it's like, no. And, and, and I even have to catch myself when I'm talking about it. And I'm like, if you, have anx- if you feel anxious, I always catch myself. And I'm like, if you feel anxious, because it is just a feeling at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say to people, anxiety is needed. We need anxiety or ang- what, what we uh, perceive anxiety to be, which is just some sort of um, perceived danger. Like, for example, if you're standing on, on the, the wing of an aircraft and it starts taking off, it's, it's right to be fearful there. If there's a tiger chasing you, it makes sense to run away and hide. Do not try and fight a tiger unless you're an incredibly trained professional that fights tigers. I don't know. Um, but things like the social anxiety of going out and speaking to a group of people, there's no actual danger. Unless they've got knives and guns, then I'd, I'd get that. Um, but unless there's no perceived danger, it's really figuring out our relationship with anxiety and saying, is this actually going to cause me de- uh, pain or be or put me in actual danger? Um, and then that just comes from sort of a, an understanding in, in as a whole. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think that just becomes more aware. Cause I was just thinking about in terms of the fact that you said 70% of people, that study was done in America, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So go into that. Like, what did that mean by they experienced trauma? So again, traumas. So there's, there's things called big T and little T traumas. I don't like to really, categorize them personally because what could be seen as big with someone else could be seen as small with someone else depending on their experiences for example um not everyone who um is sexually abused does go through ptsd but most of them do so it's and 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 it's how they deal with it themselves now that's the thing something like that is going to be classed as a big t trauma because it is going to be a much more um painful thing to process versus someone saying you look stupid today and and they say that for a week a week in a row or they say that every week or something so that's where it's the big t little t but 
it depends on the person's uh, perception and reaction to the experience, which gives them the form of trauma in their mind. Because what trauma really is, all it is is just an emotional connection to a past experience. So for example, I, before I even knew anything about trauma, I thought trauma and PTSD were the same thing. I thought PTSD was only for people who were in war and if they heard gunshots and then heard a firework, it would click and, and, and sort of make them panic or something. Now, the reason that happens is fireworks sound like guns. So the emotional connection is explosion. So what happened when they were in, um, in, 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 a, in, a, in warfare, explosion happened, they ducked, they covered, they saw their friends dying, all, all this kind of stuff. So it causes an emotional reaction in the body to say, uh, to, well, to activate the fight or flight response. And it's, it's part of the brain called the amygdala, which is the, the, uh, the fight or flight response, essentially, it's, it's uh, part of that. Um, it will activate the fight or flight response to say, do I run, do I hide, or do I freeze? And if someone has been through something traumatic, let's, let's say it was um, an abusive parent, and then they get into a relationship, and all they do is they just begin to freeze. And that's what they used to do with their parents. Then the reason is, is their emotional connection is, I'm familiar to do this, my body knows how to do this, I'm just gonna do this. Because pe people, I always say to people, anxiety is trying to protect us, to, to try and keep us out of danger. But it doesn't realize that it's actually doing more harm than it is doing good for us. Yeah? And so, so that's the thing. Anxiety is trying to say, don't go out because you could be in danger. But then it's saying, is that really going to cause me danger? Is walking, and, and I can give an example. When I was younger, we, I went to this uh, tower in, in the UK, a place called Portsmouth, and it has like a glass floor. And I remember there was a kid walking across it and you can see down and you're about uh, probably about hundred meters, 300 meters in the air or something. So it's, it's completely safe, but the kid's perception was, I'm going to fall if I walk on that. Now it's not really a real fear, but I understand if you've got a fear of heights, which is an emotional connection to an experience you had once with heights, then you're going to see that and immediately go into that panic state again. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is, is so, how do people get out of that? They just work through, obviously working with you, but then working with the fact that like, say people are listening, because this is what I've noticed a lot with people because of everything that happened last year. It mm -hmm. seems like most people were in some form of trauma response. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and, and that, that's, that's the biggest thing. Like everyone's gone through this. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to come out thriving. Some people are going to come out with a lot of pain. And, 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 and one of the things that I like to, say to people it's a very hard thing for a lot of people to swallow is it's not what happens it's how we perceive it and can we use as what happened to um, push us forwards can we use it to help other people and a lot of people they'll say well yeah but it gets a bit too much when you're just saying you can use your message your message and I'm like I get that but that's how I deal with it and it makes me so much happier the things that I've been through I always use that um, but in regards to people going through trauma yes most people probably this this last year have been through a lot of trauma their businesses have gone bankrupt um relationships are broken maybe they've been in a house with an abusive partner and they haven't been able to leave maybe there's kids that have had abusive parents they haven't been able to go to school so there's there's going to be a lot of um negative side effects of all the lockdowns and stuff like that but not only that it's going to cause a lot of people i think a lot of social anxiety there's probably going to be some studies done on that but the amount of people that have been so isolated, they, they haven't like used their confidence muscles, want for a better word. They haven't been socializing. So going and socializing with people is probably going to be like, oh, 
I don't know what to say anymore. I'm literally because it's it's like working out muscles. If you don't, if you work your muscles out for ten years, you get in the best shape possible. For one year, you stop. Your muscles will just completely deplete and get smaller. And this is kind of the same with that. Now you can grow them back, kind of like the muscle memory, I suppose. You you sort of know, and then it's just the logic. Um, but yeah, I think in order to release it, this can be done. Uh, on your own I would always say to someone to I'd recommend you work with someone um, at least just to understand it a bit more but the main things we need for change and I was actually this sort of came to me in my meditation last night I was sitting there and it sort of just like popped in my mind and it was in order to change um, from an old pattern to a new pattern we need to have some sort of experience that changes us now this doesn't have to be a physical experience so this is why I like to use a transcendental experience, something of deep meditation, deep self, uh, deep hypnosis, or even things like psychedelics. Now, obviously, if you were to use psychedelics, you, I would always recommend to do your research. Do not go into it light, lightheartedly because it is, um, it is mind altering at the end of the day. But the reason this experience is so powerful, it has to be so powerful, is so that you have a perspective change so that you go from, ah, so even though I went through all this trauma, Maybe I could be the voice of the future. Maybe I could be the voice for the people that are now, now growing up. Maybe I can help them in some sort of way. And again, some people don't like to see it that way. I do, because I believe it gives us a more of a purpose in life. It gives us more of a mission and it gives us something to, to fulfill. It gives us a, a, a passion to fulfill and say, I can help people because I've figured out how to overcome it sort of thing. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Because I used to, and I love how you reframe that too with the whole, at the beginning about like, I have anxiety, I am anxious. Mm, it's mm, like, mm. no, I'm feeling that because I used to do that all yeah. the time with that too. And then you basically become anxiety, really. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then sort of the two or the personality combines into one. And if you look at how we can feel, we can feel a feeling. I can feel a feeling of anger and don't, don't get me wrong. I do feel well, anger, not so much. I haven't felt that for a very long time. But even when the first lockdown happened, there was a time that someone really triggered me. And I was like, why am I getting so angry? I was like, it's really triggered me. And it got me so angry. And I had to sit there and see what, what was it? Now, if we um, allow these emotions to overcome us for a few days, a few um, a, a, a short period of time, that's just, that's just a mood. I'm just in an angry mood. I'm just feeling angry. But if we let that happen years upon years upon years, and we feel or we have anxiety for years it becomes part of our personality and and then it's like saying um just stop uh, talking to people for the rest of your life and it's like what whoa that's a big thing so you're basically taking away part of them so one of the first thing to do is really identifying this is you these are your feelings what do you feel on a consistent basis? Is it anxiety? Is it stress? Is it worry? Is it tension? Is it strain? Or is it positivity, empowerment, confidence, happiness, and joy? Um, and then it's making that, that, that the decision at the end of the day, because change, I'm sure you're, you're aware with what you're doing right now. I remember when we spoke about um, mm -hmm. your, your health coaching to what you're doing now, it, it didn't change over a period of time. It changed when you made that decision to say, I'm going to go into relationship coaching. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously it takes action, but the decision was the most important part. If you didn't make that decision, you could be still doing health coaching. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's about making a decision, cutting off other options. Yes, I love yeah. it. Yeah, and and I, 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 think... thought, I saw someone post as well yesterday. Um, it was on TikTok. There's a guy I follow and he's created a watch brand. And people were commenting, but what if it fails? Like, you've, 
put your uh, life savings on the line. You've, you've quit your job. What if, it, what if it fails? What's your plan B? And he was like, I don't have a plan B. And I was like, it's, that just gave me shivers just saying it. Don't have, well, I personally don't believe in a plan B. And it's the reason I got that was from Tony Robbins saying, if you want to take the island, burn your boats and burn every possible form of retreat. And then, like he says, if people are going to either die or succeed, they tend to succeed because they just have no form of retreat. And it is literally going into battle. If, if there's two people going into battle, if one person is going, well, yeah, I'm not too bothered about this. Like, I'm, I'm not too bothered. I'll just make a bit of money versus the other one saying, if you don't win this fight, you're going to die. That other person has so much more heart in it, has so much more on the line and is going to go in and win that fight regardless. Yes. No, I totally agree with you about that. I, um, I love Tony Robbins. And I like how you brought up the whole points about, you know, it could be meditation, it could be hypnosis, it could be plant medicine, because I've worked with all three of those. Have you mm. done plant medicine? Yeah, I went out to Peru in 2018 to do ayahuasca. Oh, wow. That was crazy. <laughs> I bet it was. I just had someone on the podcast uh, talk about it. So was it like, do you want to go into that? For me, it was a very traumatic experience. It wasn't, so, so a lot of people, so after reading up on it, um, one of my things was, I was like, I just want to have some big shifts. I want to have some big shifts. And I, I think we were talking about it yesterday a little bit. I went from wanting to start businesses. I was like, all I want to be is rich and famous. That was all I wanted. Literally, there, there was nothing else to it. Why? Just because I want to be. I want to be rich and famous. That was it. Then I started a digital marketing agency, which was, I think, my ninth or tenth business that I started. And that one started to make a bit of, um, like generate a bit of revenue. And me and my business partner had a little bit of a falling out. And, um, but I still actually get on with him now. We've, we've connected ever since and, and we, we're still good friends. Um, but I sort of went to Bali and, and went and traveled for a bit. And then I went to Peru that February. So the, the, the end of 2017, I think I went to Bali. Or the end of 2018, I can't remember. About two years ago. Um, and then, well, three years ago, three or four years. I can't even remember now. Um, but then I went to Peru and I was there on my own. It was really the first time I traveled on my own, um, other than like when I went to Bali, but I went with my sister. So it wasn't like fully on my own. Um, and obviously I was going on my own into mountains with shamans to go and do something that was pretty scary, realistically, um, complete unknown. And for me, I think even the flight there, I was, I was sort of like, you know what? I'm proud that I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm actually stepping way outside the comfort zone. I've never done psychedelics before. The only thing I ever did was recreationally as friends in Amsterdam taking truffles, like just to get high. Um, because I used to be a big drug user before. And I remember I, I went in for the first ceremony and it was just like a bit nervy, but like got on with the people very well. There was a few other people on the retreat that I still stay in contact with now. Um, I actually worked with one of the guys that um, he, he, he came on one of my programs. As I said, I, I tend to work with more females, but I do have a lot of males that I do work with as well. Um, and I still, work, I still worked with him. I've literally just finished. But we went into the ceremony and we did all sort of like the start bit where they like shake leaves over you. They give you um, like all these certain things and they do like these prayers and everything like that. And I, I just remember sitting down and I... They gave me the ayahuasca, sat down. I'm sitting there like all with blankets, like literally covered because there's no heat and it's just like a hut in the middle of a mountain, really. Um, blankets, everything. I remember I put my jacket to one side. Um, th there's people all around me and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, like it's getting weird. And then I could just hear what they, they sing Icaros and they're just very sinister. To me, they sound very sinister. 
and I'll do, I'll do a little preview of what it sounds like. <laughs> it's literally like, ayahuasca. It's like very like ringy and I didn't really like it. But I was like, oh, that's all right. I'll, just let, I'll just try and tune it out. I'm sitting there trying to meditate and I'm like, no, I'm just getting all agitated. And then all of a sudden I just started to drip with sweat, like from every inch of my body. And I'm just like, like that. And I'm sort of like sitting there, I'm just getting shivers now doing it. And the guy who was singing the Icaros in front of me, I looked at him and I was like, are you ayahuasca? I was like, are you, are you mother ayahuasca? Because you were always told, um, I've, I've been told that you meet ayahuasca, mother earth, mother nature or whatever. And I'm sort of sitting there and I'm just like, who are you? Who are you? And he's not replying. And I was, and I was just like, I was like, okay. So I just sort of laid back and I could look at stuff and I could tell you the dimensions of it. My brain literally said the exact height of things. I would see like a, a, a luminous line. So like a red line, for example. And then it would have how tall it was in like, I can't remember the metric. But I was mm-hmm. sitting there and I was like, this is incredible. I was like, that really is incredible. I was like, oh, mines are amazing. And all of a sudden I just went and just pulled me like sort of into a black hole. I was just, I went blind when I couldn't see, I couldn't think, I couldn't like move. And I was, I remember I was literally laying there screaming going, who am I? Who am I? What is 52? What is 51? What is seven? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And then they kept coming over to me like literally whispering in my ear. So that sounded like there was voices in my head just going like, and I was like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm literally going insane. I was like, I'm gone insane. I've gone insane. I was like, I've, I've completely ruined my life. And I was literally fearing for my life. Well, were um, they I, trying to help you by doing that? Yeah, they, they were trying to say, Max, can you please be quiet? Because oh. you're, you're ruining everyone else's ceremony. And obviously I had no control at all. Um, and... And then I, I remember I, because obviously you purge and I threw up all over, all over sort of kind of on myself, I suppose. And then, yeah, I just remember it being complete. Like I just couldn't do anything, nothing. Couldn't think, couldn't see, um, couldn't hear. I could just hear voices. That's all. Like if, if a voice came in, it was from, it was from the inside out. It wasn't from someone else into my head. That's the only way I can explain it. My, my legs were coming out of my mouth. Like I was literally turning inside out. Um, then I was laying there, I had vines going through my stomach. Um, and I was, I was literally, I was just like, I've, there's nothing I can do. I was like, and, and another time I, I didn't even think like that. Like I couldn't think logically. Um, and it was just panic and it was. Then it took four people to pick me up and carry me out because I was sort of panicking and sort of going crazy. And I woke up in the doctor's office bit um, that they do like all the blood checks and stuff like that. And um, I remember laying there, just like sort of in like the fetal position, just like that, and looking at these four people, and they were all right, Max, you're right, you're right. And I'm just like, I literally looked at them, and I just went, like, do you mind if I swear? <laughs> yeah, 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 we say everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you, I literally looked at them, and I just went, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and they, they were all just like, are you okay? And I was like, that was the worst thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. Like, that was pain that was and that for me was a trauma it was um but a good in my opinion a good trauma because it gave me a lot and I will explain what it gave me after um and I remember I couldn't move my body and I had to relearn by sort of like I didn't want to say anything I was like I need to learn how to move my arms and legs again because I'm laying there like that and I'm like right right hand right arm and it took me a good five ten minutes to sort of be able to reuse my whole body and for me that was sort of like a rebirth and I don't know, maybe it's some sort of like the, that is the pain that people, that the babies feel when they're being birthed. No wonder they're crying so much. No wonder they're in such shock and panic. Um, and and it, it could be that, I don't know. But for me, 
it really was just complete trauma. So the next night, obviously, I was very skeptical and scared to go back in. So I had a little bit less ayahuasca that time. Um, and I only did two ceremonies. Um, and I remember I went in, they gave me a little bit less, nothing, nothing, not even a thing. Not, couldn't see anything, couldn't feel anything at all. And I literally sat there and I was like, can I have another bit? And they were like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally nothing. It's been like an hour and nothing. Like I see people sort of like going, like sort of like completely just in their own world. Um, and then I, I remember I just, I just, I just sat there and I was, I was like, can I have another bit? And they gave me another bit. And I looked at the guy next to me and I was like, I have not even seen anything. I was like, I can't, I, there's nothing. And one thing that did happen, I sort of laid there and out the corner, it was literally out the corner of my eye, I could see a hospital. That was it. That's all I could see. And then it just sort of put me back and I was like, I don't know. And for me, that was Mother Ayahuasca saying, this is how extreme one can be. This is how non-extreme it can be. And I remember I went back into my room and after everyone had finished their ceremonies and I was just drained. And I remember being carried every two steps, I would just pass out because I had no energy. Um, that was from the that second was, time? Yeah, yeah. And the first time I remember, it, I was, it was a struggle for me to get back. But the second time I, I passed out literally every two steps. And what I'm thinking is the, it, was, it was more of an energetic healing than it was a, a visual healing um, or, or an experience healing because like they say, Mother Awas doesn't give you what you want. It gives you what you need. Maybe I had to see such pain to then experience nothing to see both ends of the stick. Like life can be this, life can be that. Like, do you know what I mean? And I was laying in bed and obviously I didn't purge the second time. So I'm laying there still with ayahuasca in my system and I'm looking at my hand and my hand's just going, Ooh, I've got like three hands. I can just see it just shaking. I'm just like, oh God. I was like, what if I go back to the hotel tomorrow and I just start tripping out? <laughs> um, but it took me about a year it was literally bang on a year to understand what happened. And for me, because I was having a conversation with someone and I said, I was like, do you know what? I'm so grateful to, to, to be alive. I'm so grateful to think straight. I'm so great to see. I'm so grateful to hear. I'm so grateful to physically feel. I was like, I'm, I'm capable. And I remember I went into um, like the second day we, before we did the second ceremony, we went into like a, uh, like a, a, a church that had a lot of disabled people. Um, like when I say disabled, literally like to the state where they're like that and they can't move or talk, they're in a wheelchair and they just can't do anything. And I was sort of looking at them. I was like, I, I feel like I know how you feel. And I, and, and I don't know whether that was sort of something that it was showing me. It was like, like just feel that, that empathy, feel that empathy. And I remember watching them. I was like, I, I kind of get that. Like they, they can't even say how much pain they're in or how, how much they want to say something. And I, I'm sitting there, I'm just like, I just, I just felt really, I, I felt a lot of empathy. But as I said, about a year later, it really was, well, I faced my darkest fear. Like my darkest fear is being completely out of control. So I faced it. I was like, what can scare me now? And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to get a bit of anxiety here and there when I go and do certain things or whether you use the word anxiety or stress or um, fear, because I'm going to, like I said, if, if I'm um, doing something on stage, that used to be my biggest fear, but I'm going to feel that nervousness. Of course I am just like anyone, but over doing it enough times, eventually it just becomes habitual and then, then um, you sort of are able to do it. But yeah, that was sort of my experience, the, the, the long-winded version. I did make a documentary on it, but it was very badly edited. <laughs> no, no, I think that's great. And thanks for sharing that with everybody. Because I think that I like hearing different people's experiences. Mm. And I also think that was great to hear your experience of, wow, it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies, y'all. <laughs> mm. 
Like, like in, in the documentary I did, um, I got one guy who just had an incredible experience. Incredible. Like he told me he shot through all the eight realms and he was on top of the realm, like the, the, the highest realm. And eight dimensions? Yeah, the eight dimensions, sorry, yeah. He said he was at the top and he just looked at um, the guy next to him and he just went, Gabe, mate, I love you. He's like, but I'm God. He's like, I'm God. And he said he just went and just shot up. And I was like, that sounds incredible. And then like his experience was just incredible. And yeah, I mean, some people, I personally think if I would have done three, my third one would have been a good one, but I wouldn't have done it. I was in such a, um, after the second one, I was sort of in a frame of mind where I was like, oh, that's it, I'm not spiritual, I'm not spiritual. <laughs> and I sort of was in a lot of denial that I didn't get what I wanted. Um, but I always said, I'm glad I did it. Maybe I should have done another one, but at the time I probably wouldn't have done one if I'm being honest. Well, yeah, they, um, yeah, because they're always supposed to, it seems like most people do it in sets of threes, right? Yeah, usually. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, that's so interesting. I'm really glad you shared that because I think that that's a great perspective and point of view for everybody listening to always be careful with doing those kind of things. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I did a lot of research before, um, but you don't know what you're going. You're, you're going into the unknown. You really are. Um, it's it's a mind altering substance at the end of the day. Obviously, it's it's uh, grown. So I personally believe in anything that is. Um, not not man-made so earth-made um, natural i personally do believe in that but it is a mind-altering substance at the end of the day yeah okay so what final takeaway would you want everybody to know in terms of dealing with trauma learning about it i think the biggest thing is as i said about sort of the transcendental experience whether it is with just meditation hypnosis or psychedelics you sort of there's sort of the three you can work with um, or, or prayer, I suppose, anything that sort of gets you in that present state and then you're going into some form of um, different brainwave. If we have knowledge and we have a transcendental experience, every time we have that transcendental experience, our perception of ourselves changes. So the biggest thing I can really say is learn, find more knowledge. If you can't read, watch videos. If you don't want to watch videos, listen to audios. If you don't want to listen to audios, read books. Like you've got sort of all the different aspects you can cover find the knowledge and then give yourself time as many times as often. Like I say, I meditate twice a day at least as many times as often to really get into that present state to try and have those transcendental experiences. You're not going to have them every time. Um, I've only had a few, but that would be my biggest key is find knowledge, try and go for those transcendental experiences. And eventually over the next few years um, or even over the next year, I suppose, you're going to see big, cha big changes in your life. And then the only other thing is if you want to speed up, do find someone who knows what they're talking about. Mm, yes, I love that. Yeah, because in terms of doing those kind of experiences, the transcendental experiences, helps you to get out of the fight or flight mode, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and also, also, you're actually rewiring your brain. Like, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I study neuroscience um, sort of terms, and I like to I like to do it, but I'm not like anything like that. Um, maybe one day, who knows? Um, but when I, when I read into it, it really shows that when you do certain things mentally, your brain physically changes to say, ah, I've already done this. So for example, if you want to be more confident, rehearsing in your mind in a present state, so in like a meditative or hypnotic state, um, some form of trance, then you, you create that confidence in you by doing the actions of how would I, uh, go about this situation? How would I go about this situation? Your brain is saying, ah, so I've already done that. So then when you walk in, it's like, oh, I know how to tie my shoes. I know how to be confident. 
Um, I know how to act in these situations. Um, and the more you mentally do it, eventually it just becomes a physical trait of yours. And like I said, where originally it was, oh, I'm, I, have, I am anxiety or I have anxiety, I just am confident. There's just no doubt about it. It doesn't mean I don't get fearful, doesn't mean I don't get nervous, but I just am a confident person naturally. Mm, love that, yes, that's great. Okay, so how can everybody find you? Um, I'm on pretty much every platform, I think. I don't really use Twitter, but Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Clubhouse. Um, if you either type in Max Hindle, you can find me. Even if you type in Max Hindle on Google, I'm, I'm uh, my website and then all my stuff comes up on my YouTube as well. Um, or it's, it's M-A-X-I-M 11110-N and it spells Maximilian, but it was taken. So the 1111 just is my angel number. So I put it in there and it works perfectly. But it's really hard to explain whenever anyone asks how to, um, how to find me. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Okay. Well, I'll definitely place your links below. Thanks so much for joining us. This is such an important, great conversation. And my pleasure. Yeah, y'all, be sure to like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know your thoughts, either of us on Instagram, and we will catch you later. Bye. See ya. <laughs>